I won't tell you who they are, but they're in a massive, successfully girl-fronted um, commercial act that we look after. Um, and we had, when they came to us, a good friend of mine brought them through to us and they at the time had lost their management. They had lost basically everything. They had no money to, you know, we were almost to the point where we were actually giving them, lending them money so they could survive. They went on to earn with us nearly $1.5 million in terms of revenue in a very short space of time and we are, our team really... From a, an agency perspective? Yeah, yeah. And we worked really, really quickly and um, effectively on bringing them lots and lots of opportunities. They were very, very happy um, and somehow at some point someone had mentioned, hey, listen, you should go and work with someone else. And at the time I was absolutely gutted that they walked away and I just, I can't, I still scratch my head at it, but the long story short is that they went to another agency who didn't book them one gig in the space of six months. And fortunately, they came back. Welcome to Fear at the Top, powered by the Industry Observer, where we speak to leaders of music business to learn about their successes, mistakes, and how they operate at the top of their class. Welcome to Fear at the Top. I am Luke Gerges for the Industry Observer. Today, I am in the beautiful city of Melbourne with Damo from 123 Agency. Damo, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for having me, Luke. I, uh, I've been pretty excited about this, uh, this podcast ever since you agreed to do it because you've really got a, uh, a sort of a, an agency that's just turned into this beast and it appears out of nowhere and I, and I, and I know that probably doesn't feel like that to you but externally it seems to have come out of nowhere and, and been, been quite an aspirational agency so um, very excited to get into it and, and, I, and I'll kind of want to start when you're working at Mushroom so you're a sure. drummer you, um, you, you then you know left to the art side of the business and went into the business side of the business yeah. and um, yeah and uh, you worked at Mushroom uh, for what five years was it? Yeah, and actually, I actually started there was when I was a poster boy. Even before that, um, when I was and I was working with um, a whole bunch of the Mushroom people then. And when Mushroom, I think it was like ninety eight or ninety nine. I was working there. It was my full first time big gig, I suppose. But it really, essentially, it was before the age of the internet and sending posters out and media releases and eight by 10 black and whites to newspapers and media outlets. And I was doing posters there for, for a while and then the band just took off and then that took off in a different direction. But so after the band had finished and we did all that stuff, I went to work at a venue and after that had kind of reached its sort of end, I suppose, um, Frank called me and said, we should have a discussion. Do you want to come and uh, work as an agent at Premier? And I was like, well, that sounds like a heap of fun. I'd love to be there. And it actually was one of the things that I always wanted to do and to work in, with Frank and the great people down there. Um, so you're an artist and you obviously would have had all the touch points. You would have had a manager. You would have had an agent. You would have had a label. You would have known the publishing yeah. publishing world. Yeah. like. Why was it being an agent the thing that drew you? Like why wasn't it manager or label? Because I think it was one of the most essential things because most money for, for artists is derived from, well, especially now, is, you know, 80% of income is derived from live, in, from live shows. So 
um, I knew that very, very well and I knew the landscape because I was actually out there earning money as a paid musician, I suppose, playing venues and festivals and and meeting and greeting people and, you know, out, actually out there. And it's a great way to see, the, see Australia and to travel and, you know, even go to Japan and all those amazing places. And you, as you walk through those fences, I suppose, you, you collect people's... Um, details and and you become ultimately really good friends with them and that's kind of where I stayed I suppose and by the time I'd got to the desk at Premiere I could basically I knew exactly where everyone should go my artist went it was just a case of building a roster which is much easier said than done um but it was a really cool trip and I got to work some amazing acts there you know at Premiere but um Premiere at the time was a well when I first started working there back in the day was had bands like you know Regurgitator and the Cool Sea and just these incredible live touring acts and I think I got a lot a lot of mentorship from some great people there like Gerard who now is the Frontier Touring amazing agent who represents you know who reps acts like Foo Fighters and Ryan Adams and all that sort of thing and also Mick Newton, who does a down the green now. And there were two key players in motor race back in the day when I was – so I look, I really look to them and we have a great relationship now and I, I really aspire to kind of – to where they are and, and we still talk to each other regularly, those guys, and fortunately we get a lot of opportunity from both of them um, generally. So I've been very fortunate actually. I still have great relationships with everyone down at Mushroom and – um, I'm very proud to say that I did work there and, and I'm very um, very thankful for the opportunity that it, um, it gave me. Um, so a lot of the time when somebody leaves their previous employer and effectively open a new shop that competes with them, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. always it – do, it's no. not always a good relationship. So, so no. how were you able to keep such good spirits between each other? Um, I mean, it's taken a while to get there and I wouldn't say it's all been roses, but um, um, yeah – I will look – I'll know this. Like I think that there's um, – I think it's a the, – the, I, I look back and the, the day I think I was so frustrated um, for many reasons and they're not – they're not – no one's business but mine. That, but there was so much um, frustration to some degree and I don't think it was anyone's particular fault. I think it was just because I had aspirations to do bigger and better things and there was um, – unfortunately not that opportunity to do that there and and um i think i ultimately needed to do my own thing to really um looking back now i didn't know it at the time but looking back now it was kind of like it was like a bolt of lightning the day that um i knew that the streaming scenario would be ultimately king i think and people getting back and not giving away their rights i suppose and and look i just think that there was an uh, an opening for me to um do more things with my life other than and i think that there is a certain amount of room when you go to work at a place like that and there's there's only so many lanes you can sort of turn into i think and um again it was such a great place and an amazing place an inspiring place but I think I just outgrew it to some degree looking back now. So it's pretty interesting that you mentioned streaming because uh, the last episode uh, we interviewed Chug and he said he left Mushroom um, at the the birth of the internet because he saw it before other people did and he felt that, that was too suffocating for him. And so he left and wanted to do his own thing. And it seems like you had like 
the next wave was streaming. It seems like you you experienced something similar. Yeah, well, probably, I suppose, yeah. And, look, I think um, the, the thing is, is, like, I I definitely feel like, and definitely now I can say that I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I wouldn't say I'm a promoter, um, although every single day that we go to work we are promoting, but I'm not in the true sense of a promoter. So like in well, one, two, three, we do delve into that place every now and then if it's needed and required and we can do that. But there, there is an amazing amount of promoters out there, all those big touring companies, and it's fiercely, fiercely competitive. Not that agency isn't. But um, I think I just know and our people know agency a lot, lot better and leaving the world of um, promoters and how they do things and really they, re- they really do take the chances on those really big scale events and we ultimately represent artists. I mean, that's our main focus is to represent artists, not to necessarily um, take big punts on big tours and big um, on really big large scale events. So, <clears throat> yeah, well, yeah, the streaming thing was interesting. I just kind of, I suppose it was just like a, a natural progression of sorts. But in, in terms of intention, it wasn't it wasn't something that was it was just sort of like an like a the sun had risen over the horizon. It was like okay, well, this the the we could go somewhere different here with this demo. And it's really, and I I remember. I remember working at Premier. I think I, I think I said to everyone, "Hey, listen, I'm going to lunch," and I never really left. <laughs> and it, it's, oh, there was no sort of fanfare of me. I went to lunch and I never came back. So it was. I think they still think I'm at lunch, maybe. <laughs> so um, you talk about that you guys aren't really promoters, but then you spend a lot of energy, you know, I guess promoting your artists and, and making sure the shows sell out. And, and I guess yeah. You know, working um, at a company like Seventh Street Media, we have a lot of interface with a lot of the um, the industry, um, but we rarely talk to agents um, except for one, two, three. We always know when it's a one, two, three agency artist touring um, yeah. because we have a lot of dialogue with our company and your company. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess that's that's both. Um, that's both to be admired, but it's also a huge curiosity because what usually when um, people have the most invested in selling out a show, you're talking about the manager, um, you're talking about the promoter. Um, the yeah. agent um, tends to just, you know, run the lineup and, and advice and just sort of let the manager and the promoter do the thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas you guys just seem to be relentless in the best possible way. So um, is that something that you got you set out, like this is what one, two, three agency needs to be at the very start or did that just naturally happen because that's in your DNA? I don't, I don't know. No, it's definitely in the DNA and it's something that I've done right from the get-go. I mean, we, we have a different way of messaging our tours and how we roll out. I mean, we we definitely have a different um, outlook on how we go about promoting our tours and, and essentially we have incredible um, – databases that are very deep and we have a, a, a large amount of connections out there we're talking to everyone and I think our roster is it's not very it's a roster if you look out into the universe and you look at the agencies out there there's really big rosters out there one two three is not it's fairly skewered and our thing is not to be the biggest but we definitely want to be the best and I'm not sure that we're there yet but we're that's our aim is to be uh, very agile, um, create community and be really focused on um, looking at every aspect of our artists. And it's, um, you know, we want to be, um, 
we want to be an an added value for for our managers or our um record companies or whoever we work with out there and even promoters you know like we just we just want to be a little we want to add 10 percent more to what you know what other others might not do if that makes sense meaning that we if we know something's not working we'll we'll sit around and we'll figure out a solution to to it you know and that takes expertise i suppose so it's not just um Look, we'd rather have, I think Monty put it in one of the previous articles, he put it really perfectly, we'd rather have um, Axe selling five, 600 tickets in or plus rather than a 1,000 Axe selling 100, if you know what I mean. Mm. So because I think we can, I think everyone, anyone could do that and that's that's fine but it's not where we're, our expertise is at. And so it's about having a, f- a finesse, agile group of people that are really focused in on Axe. Because it takes a while for it for for acts to incubate to actually get to a point when they can be huge, and we've seen that with Tash, of course. And there was there's a great team behind that. There's the the Lemon Tree crew, Regan and and Dave, as well as right in the initial stages of where we were all you know really focused on her. But um, well, everyone knows the Tash story, but she can tell that one story. But yeah. Yeah. So, so in that article you mentioned where Poppy interviewed Monty about one, two, three, the, the, the sort of, um, theme through that, um, that article that Poppy sort of published was that you guys have a hybrid business model. We do. Yeah. Um, and for those who haven't read the article or understand what that means, can you, can you explain that? Yeah. So it's something that in the next sort of 12 months, you'll see a lot more of us diversifying. We do have a grand plan and I don't want to give it all away right now, but there's some really big discussions happening in the background about us. And the very first thing you'll see this week is us announce creative entertainment agency. And that's been something I've been working on with my partner, Lilith Shackman, who is an entertainment lawyer and has some deep, deep connections in through the, um, celebrity slash movie talent sort of um, model area of the of the entertainment industry and we've been working steadily on activations and brand partnerships with a whole bunch of people out there in the um, in the brand agency world and we've been part of some really big things previously um, but we're just launching that through and then in terms of we've got a some other special things that we're doing with the management company and that's already taken place. We're going to see some announcements from Dear Seattle and um, we've already been managing a whole bunch of acts. But the part of the reason for that is not it's not a service for everyone, but it's a service that our acts can actually participate in and we can work with them if they don't, if they want to work independently. And again, as I said, you know, most money is derived from, from an artist's point of view is from live and, if they're busy working live, then sometimes they don't have the opportunity or the net worth or just time to actually go out there and actively put a whole bunch of their things in the background of their careers or their um, together. And, you know, that could mean, you know, essentially accounting services or management, whatever it might be, but we're here to help. And I suppose that's kind of where I'm, our main aim is to become full a full-service music company and and we're in the throes of that. And I think we're kind of almost three-fifths of the way there. There's a couple other things that we're going to roll out for next year and some great opportunities will lie ahead for our artists. And so, yeah, the hybrid model is something that um, 
I've always wanted to have and it's been a massive um, – it's been a lot of hard work <laughs> to try and put that together. And I, I suppose I'm ultimately a fiercely impatient person but things have happened really, really quickly for us in the last four and a half years. So um, that's not too bad. I think we're doing okay. So you, you mentioned launching the management side of the business too. So would you ever manage an artist books by another agency? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, um, Tom Larkin, who's been a lifelong friend of mine, he, he can talk about more about that shortly when that's about to roll, but um, I'm probably letting too much out of the cat, the cat out of the bag there. But um, there, we've been steadily working away there, and it's just something and it, it's just something that we find that we can do very well. And, and again, it's not for everyone. It's not meant to be for everyone. It's for those select few that need it. Um, and it's been a really, um, it's been really amazing. It's been an incredibly um, engaging, amazing um, thing to be part of. I'm not per se a manager, but I can very much facilitate and have really good clarity around where I can see artists and where their um, career paths can go. And that's that's what definitely makes us um, different from other probably agency out there we're kind of we definitely are a um always evolving kind of company and and is um do you see one of the key benefits doing that is like diversifying your revenue when you when you offer so much and and sort of de-risking the whole business yeah well i suppose when you there's so many when the, the landscape of the music industry or the entertainment industry changes all the time and people you know people were saying content was king but at the time people weren't people weren't paying for it because they saw you know they couldn't they couldn't justify the numbers and now that's a completely different scenario you know we were just talking about that and in the content space and people having media channels and all sorts of things and how brands want to engage on that it's it we we really enjoy that aspect of our um opportunity for our acts um and we essentially again to go back to it we represent artists you know and however they can derive some income that's where we all want to get involved and really make sure that a it's done properly to the artist's expectation contracted and accounted and and ultimately it's something that works for them for the generally so We'll work with anyone and everyone in that space and we'll, we'll make the most of it and we'll work from an artist's point of view all day, every day on that. Um, just on the contracting side of things, it's it's a real curiosity to me in the industry that, you know, when, when an artist signs to a manager, they sign a contract over a fixed term. Same yeah. with a label, same with a publisher. Yes, yeah. The whole agency culture seems to be all done on a handshake across all companies. Are you in the same boat or do you have signed contracts with, with artists on your agency? can't give away our trad secrets but i do know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> and it, it, it has been and is probably one of the few things that um that should be addressed um definitely in terms of agency look put it this way if you've got a great service and you're providing someone with really great opportunity income um strategy and all those great things that good agencies need to provide, if you're doing that properly, um, then there should be no discussion and there should always be, you know, if we're providing something, then we get paid a fee to do it. Um, There is a certain amount of frustration out there, particularly I think when 
when we have um, amazing artists. Look, I've I've got an I've got an amazing example where I won't tell you who they are, but they're in a massive, successfully girl-fronted um, commercial act that we look after. Um, and we had when they came to us, a good friend of mine brought them through to us, and they at the time had lost their management. They had lost basically everything they had no money to you know we were almost to the point we were actually giving them lending them money so they could survive they went on to earn with us nearly 1.5 million dollars in terms of revenue in a very short space of time and we are our team really From, uh, an agency perspective yeah yeah and we worked really really quickly and um, effectively on bringing them lots and lots of opportunities they were very very happy um, and somehow at some point someone had mentioned hey listen you should go and work with someone else and at the time I was absolutely gutted that they walked away and I just I can't I still scratch my head at it but the long story short is that they went to another agency who didn't book them one gig in the space of six months and fortunately they came back and I think that's a pretty unusual circumstance and I was, you know, for whatever reason, I was gutted at the time. And I guess that's the biggest risk I see in the agency model because um, you, you don't you don't have an asset. You don't have a contract that says this revenue is guaranteed for the next five years no matter if this person changes their mood. And artists are very emotional and, can, and, and sometimes don't think rationally. No, they don't. Um, that's no, what you- makes them great artists a lot of the time. So, so exactly that, right. that essentially puts business owners at a huge risk to run agencies without contracts. Yeah, and it is. It's risky business. There's no doubt about it. That um, if I look, put it this way, if you don't want to work with someone, you won't. And um, we're an independent agency and I tell everyone, everyone that works here, it's like if we're not eating um, either our, or our artists, you know. So if our artists aren't eating, either are we. So it's really kind of like this really great – um, environment where if you're going to work hard, then this is where this is where you know great stuff can really. Um, it's it's a great intersection where things really great things can happen. The contractual stuff, yes, it's a it's an issue that should be probably addressed. Do you guys um, plan to address that yourselves? I think it's something that sits there, and it's kind of yeah, it's something. But again, I mean, a contract's a contract, and the reality is a. An artist won't work if, with you if they don't want to. It just goes back to just working hard and achieving great things with someone. I mean, we've done – I just – we had something recently where one of the agents had lost an act and it was a very short-sighted, um, inexperienced manager, in my opinion, who'd actually gone off and done – made that decision. But that's all right. We'll work with really great people who want to work with us, not the other way around. Mm. Do you see all of the agents? Because I, I think it would be very hard for one agency to come out and say, right, we're going to do some contracts now if none of the other people are doing it. Um, do you see all the agents coming together at some point and agreeing that, hey, we're going to set an industry standard in this territory? I've never really worried about what other agencies are doing. I know that sounds a little bit cocky, but it's actually the truth. Like we're really kind of sort of running our own race a little bit here. I don't really want to look to other people for advice in that regard. I think what we're doing is really spectacular. It's really awesome. Um, it's really kind of we're doing our own thing. I think that that's, um, that's not to mean to say that other people aren't, by the way, but it's just something that we're really focusing on. It's just doing a, doing something really great for ourselves. And I think 
I think the moment that if we look over our shoulder and worry about what other people are doing all the time, I think that's kind of when the game is lost, if you know what I mean. And in terms of that scale and um, I guess greater expectations coming on the agency as you guys get bigger, um, did you work very hard at developing um, systems within the business so that, you know, soldier out, soldier in? Or um, do you have a more of a talent approach where you find great people to execute and the systems are sort of secondary? Yeah, well, A, we're always trying to find really great ways to make make the systems better and how we do that and that's always about evolving our back end and making sure that that's really streamlined for a for our clients out there and um all the people that we engage with contractually and that's always evolving that space and we're always overlooking it we had a big meeting day the other day kind of like a and that was one thing that we talked about and we're kind of trying to address these things without sort of disrupting ourselves too much. And then the be the people that kind of engage with all this and how we do it. It's, you know, really for me it's about making sure that people are always engaged and we've got certain things that are happening within the team where there's, for communication's sake, I mean, um, how, how do we keep, Josh and Adam in Sydney in the loop of everything that happens down here and we found a really great way to do that by communicating devices and stuff and um, that's been a real revolutionary thing for everyone and we've got this constant dialogue and I was looking around at other companies and how they actually did that and we, we um, took a few of those ideas and we implemented them and that's been really exciting for me is, you know, someone to help oversee that and um, sort of solve, problem solve. I mean, every single day that I sit at the desk, I'm problem solving. I'm, if it's communicating, it's, you know, or, or it's problem solving someone's expectation. Just now I got off the phone with someone who wasn't agreeing to some media commitments and deliverables and, you know, you constantly kind of, not agreeing to the biggest radio show in Australia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's kind of, yeah, and you kind of scratch your head, but at the same time it's like, you well, you've got to kind of understand where an artist comes from. But, you know, the contractual obligation sometimes is, again, we're problem solving and we're just trying to keep that expectation of um, a client who's paying the bill and, and then, you know, ultimately an artist who we represent. So um, it's it's a funny space and I, I, I think – you've got to have really, really passionate people around you to make this whole thing work. And we're very fortunate there. And we're really focusing on just in terms of agents, um, we're focusing, we're really trying to get, although we've nearly got 50-50 in terms of parity for, for employment for male and female, which I'm very proud to say, we, we do notice that there are a real lack of female agents here and we're trying desperately to make that happen and we're training them up from right from the get-go and um, fortunately we've got three or four but that are coming through really soon that are going to be taking that space. I'm very proud to say that we've, you know, um, identified it and problem-solving it. So, yeah, I'm very proud to say that. That's awesome. And how... Um Personally, how do you juggle working in the business versus working on the business? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Well, just by having great people essentially and who can pick up things and, you know, um, we have um, – I've, you know, I definitely, definitely have sort of stepped off representing so many acts myself personally 
And that's not to say that I don't do stuff on it and I'm constantly having conversation out there. My thing is meeting people and, and finding opportunity and, you know, it, that's a constant converse, conversation out there and trying to find um, opportunities for not just for the business but for our acts and it's, they come hand in hand. It's like the left hand always talking to the right hand. Um, so, yeah, it's look, it's um, – I'm learning every day when I come to the space. I'm, you know, when I come to work or when well, I never really don't go to work, to be honest. <laughs> it's kind of, you know, that, that trick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you kind of, um, you live and breathe it, you know. And I'm, you know, there'll be nights where I'll be sitting on the internet reading something or reading a book of some sort to find some inspiration of somewhere about something and, and finding ways to implement that, you know. So, um, it's it's a learning curve that's very very steep, and um, I'm I'm fully engaged and married to music in a lot of ways. Like my life is, I can't, I don't, I don't. There's not one second of my day when I'm not looking for great music, you know, uh, or worrying about you know how everyone's going out there in the in our you know team and if they're all right, you know. So I'm constantly, you know, I'm like a cat on a hot tin roof in a lot of ways. I'm like, you know with my eyes wide open for sure and how do you manage uh that intense workload with your with your family yeah it's been um it has been tough i won't lie on that it has been tough in the last couple of years i do have a beautiful daughter she's nearly three chloe chloe coston and um yeah she's she's magical i suppose i i've really had to when you're so ingrained and you get so crazy passionate about something that you're creating you you have to sometimes switch the lights off and that means, you know, taking time out or um, she's just gone to started using potty, which I'm really excited about. I'm more excited about that than maybe Christmas, if you know Congratulations, what I mean. that's a big deal. <laughs> it is a big deal. And I speak for experience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, cleaning nappies and all that sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, look, it is, it is a very fine um, balance. Um, I wouldn't say I've mastered that and it has been a challenge. If I'm an artist and I want to sign to one two three agency in any capacity, um, what kind of artist are you looking for? What do I need to do to pique your interest? Just amazing, great ones that are going to stand against the, the test of time. And and really, we want um, more so than anything. You really want loyalty sometimes out of acts because if this, I mean, obviously you want someone who's incredibly talented and is going to do incredible things. There's no doubt about that. But we just we really want to work with artists from day dot to to you know to the day that they decide excuse me decide not to want to do it. Um, and there's no there's no sort of one thing. I've been a bit allergic to hip hop recently for no reason other than I just didn't think the caliber of some Australian hip hop has been amazing. That's just a you subjective. Know what? <laughs> I'll tell you. I it's interesting you say that. So I'm hip hop's like my favorite genre, but I yeah. think I only listen to twenty percent of the music I listen to is hip hop. Because, yeah. but I wonder if it's because it's my favorite genre. I'm more fussy. A lot of the hip hop yeah. that we get sent to Seven Street Media, I mean, yeah. the team will get really frustrated with me because I'm like, no, nah, it's not good enough. It's <laughs> and not. it's like, but I wonder if it is because yeah. I'm just I hold it to a higher standard. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And I was very I was very fortunate at the time in Australia. I was I was happy Happy, very happy and worked with um, some great labels and one of the acts that I absolutely love and still do is Muffin Plutonic who had the first hip hop song on Australian radio with Triple J. Heaps good. Yeah, heaps uh, good, exactly. Was, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, 
Sadly, not not existent at the moment. But Plutonic's gone on to do things with the Hilltop Hoods and stuff. But um, that definitely was a – there was a scene there and there was a happening thing and it was, you know, there was docos. A friend of mine made the doco and all that sort of scene. And, and um, to be part of that sort of thing was really, really cool at the time. And I think the evolution of me as an agent, I kind of just – I think I hit the peak of it if in a lot of ways. And, you know, I think at the same time hip-hop became part of a really big culture here and it is what it is now. I think a lot of it's become a little bit bubblegum. That's just my opinion. It's, you can shoot me for it. I don't mind. But um, I think that there's – You might be preaching <laughs> to the choir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and, you know, like I think, you know, it's just like everything, you know. Like, you know, there was, you know, there was a sort of like – retro rock that happened not too long ago as well you know 10 years ago or whatever and that that kind of became a bit of a thing to i don't think there's as many genre scenes as there maybe was i think everyone's kind of in it for there's so much stuff now the bandwidth is so wide then there's room for everyone but i just think the hip-hop thing is interesting although you know and it's and i think we're in a global space now and I think when, when an artist needs to understand it, when you drop a song on Spotify or release it, you have a worldwide audience. And one of the hardest thing in the world is, unfortunately, America is one of the biggest, well, they are the biggest consumer of music. And if you play them Australian hip-hop, it's very, very hard to get sort of um, any sort of, you know, reaction other than, a cheeky grin and say, hey, you get pointed to the door kind of thing. So I just think, I just think, in, you know, that's my, again, it's, but I think it, the, a, lot, a, lot of the, a lot of the stuff that's happening now is um, that globalisation, the fact that streaming charts don't really recognise the, the t- Australian music in the top 50 that's actually happening. You know, we'll have our own charts, but you, you can really see that, you know, there's this worldwide chart now and, you know, that's heavily influenced by record companies and um, so it's it's in a lot of ways it's easy for artists to have a worldwide audience but it's even – it's 10 times, 20 times, 100 times harder to be heard now. So um, and we going back to your question, how do we get – how do you want to become part of 123? Well, just go and make amazing – and I mean seriously amazing music. If you can do that and you keep on that path and we'll find you, we'll track you down and you'll be part of the family. You know? Just like Tash Altana on the streets busking, right? Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. So um, I want to ask you about your biggest mistake as a founder of 123. There's got to be some moment – uh, when you, I mean, you. This is ultimately is a huge success story. There's got to be a moment over the last five years or so where you've just butchered it. <laughs> if you could, you could. Well, there's so many times. Like, <laughs> yeah, I've, we've made so many mistakes. Um, I wanted to provide with one, two, three a platform for people to do amazing things, and I think we've very much achieved that. That that you know, that's a tick. Mm. Um, I I want people to come to and work with us to have opportunity to be able to do as they need um, and to some degree I've probably given too much of that away um, and as I said before I was an extremely impatient man so I wanted things to happen at a quicker pace and to have a bit more saying what was going on but you just got it for some things to happen for example you to go 10 steps forward, you probably got to take one or two back. 
I'm going to prod you on it a bit more. So do you sure. feel like um, a moment like that was either giving um, staff too much freedom or not, or agreeing to terms which weren't favourable to yourself? Is that- yeah, probably, you know, and that's okay. It, 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 you know, I've, I'm steadily building a bridge on all that sort of stuff. But at the same time, like where, where business and commerce happens, there are certain times, there's certain places where you just have to do those sorts of things to get you through. And, um, you know, everyone has, you know, everyone has their probably where there's this, there's moments, you know, I, I, I'm very proud to say there's, there's very few regrets here. I mean, like we work in the music industry and you got to, sometimes you got to kind of pat, slap yourself in the face with some water and go, Hey, things aren't so bad. And they aren't, <laughs> things are really fucking excellent. We're really very fortunate very very got an amazing workplace got an amazing family got it you know um got incredible artists we've got you know incredible net worth of fantastic talent not only within the walls of one two three and their surrounding companies but um beyond that you know we're incredibly you know happy to i think just i just think you can get you can focus on the negative too much and the negative really is not too bad (laughs) You know what I mean? <laughs> totally. Yeah. Can you tell me um, the one artist story that you're most proud of with your at your time at One Two Three? Um, it's a good question. I mean, I, I keep I keep my eye on so many different aspects of different artists. I probably might switch tack if you don't mind and tell you that I'm really proud to say, like, look at some of the talent within the walls of One Two Three. I've seen, you know. There's one character, again, I'll talk about Harry for a second. You know, Harry, in a lot of ways, when I first met him, you know, it's it's very hard to say to someone, hey, sit in that chair, represent my acts and go and ask a whole bunch of people um, for some money for my acts that you don't really know. And <laughs> the poor, poor bike, he sat down and he kind of had a big Adam's apple and he was and he had, almost had a stutter and... Um, and in in he was um, he was on the steepest learning curve out of everyone, and you know literally working three days a week, two days a week, whatever it was. But um, he had some really great mentoring by myself and Regan at the beginning, and and now I'm very proud to say that Harry's probably the brightest shining star in terms of talent. Um, I say that without trying to offend anyone else within the walls, but he definitely has gone on to. Um, being incredible and he's a very p- large part integral part of the team um, he's a bit of my go-to guy in a lot of ways um, to see his evolution go from that you know young younger man to you know living life to the extreme and 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 traveling the country and representing some of the biggest up-and-coming acts that oh, that's probably one of my proudest moments without fail uh, you previously spoke about, you know, those real hard times at one, two, three, uh, where, you know, cash flow was really poor. You didn't know where you could, what you could do the next, next week. Obviously we're so far from that time now, even though maybe not on the timeline, but certainly, you know, the reality of the situation is different. Um, where, what was that key moment where you realized I've got a, a, a real sustainable growing business now and I'm okay. I don't need to go back and get a real job. This is, this is, this shop's here to stay. Yeah, I think there were. Well, there's a couple of them. I think when we got past our first first year, the first year when we had our first birthday party, and um, 
having lots of our you know our artists and and, and growing there that was a real key moment because you probably know more than anyone that you know 99 percent of first companies that kick off in their first year they fail totally and the thing that i noticed about you guys is maybe it wasn't the same year but maybe the year before or the year after there just seemed to be all these other agencies popping up around that time which i believe would have added a whole extra layer of challenge yeah i think so um yeah, I mean, you know, the, the the agency space is really competitive. There's no doubt about it. I think that there was, you know, I think there was at the time six or seven out there. I'm not sure there's so many now. That first year when we had that celebration, we had that, we had some really great bands play with us and, and I remember making a speech and the speech completely, I I spent ages writing this speech and when I got up on the stage, I couldn't speak properly and and, and the speech was ripped up essentially <laughs> and it was kind of like, you know, it was just a, me just jamming and spewing out all these thoughts and memories and all that sort of stuff and celebrating the moment. I think that was one of them and I think the other thing is when we got our own offices and when we literally stepped into a place that was a really amazing environment where where we can, you know, invite our bands down and it's an incredible place to kind of come to work every day. I think that that was a real moment where we were like, okay, all right, we've got, we got like a space here where we can, we can jam, you know, we can make this work, you know. And, and then I suppose just, I mean, the obvious ones of seeing people have top ten records and nominations and arias and going off around the world and selling records and being part of really amazing lineups. I mean, I could go for days on that stuff and there's always a moment, every single moment where there's something new that comes through the door or Regan will send me a text and go check out this photo of London last night with Tass. You know, like I have these fucking, you know, moments of like surreal, like it, like, you know, it wasn't that long ago she was busking. So, and then, you know, just, generally hearing great stories from our acts out on the roads about sold out shows and you know the evolution of those acts and where they come from and what they're doing and yeah so it's 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 an ever-evolving space here and it's there's just the fact that we're making news every day is um something that i'm incredibly proud of damo thank you so much for your time it's uh, very inspirational and i'm very grateful thank you so much for having me luke appreciate it 